0: Welcome back to the Sudish Podcast. In the previous episode, we heard how Baba Krababi passed away after a discussion with Guru Hargoban. Chapter 49 begins now, describing how Guru Hargoban would keep a close eye on the young Harrai and how he would see how much humility Hararai carried himself with, which made Guru Hargobind love Hararai even more day by day. Guru Hargobind now also understood that his life was coming to an end in the near future, and he wanted to give the title of Guru to his grandson Hararai, seeing how he was embodying so many good qualities like fortitude and humility. Every day Guru Hargobind would give out great charity to the poor and to the Brahmins, giving them great wealth and jewels, all sorts of fancy clothes of different colors, and strong horses with expensive saddles. This stream of giving charity out to the others carried on unbroken for the longest of time by Guru Hargobind. just like how the edge of his blade would remain unbroken, chopping down cowards and sending brave warriors to heaven. So Guru Hargobind would be so generous that it was removing all poverty from the poor. People around all areas were praising Guru Hargobind because of this. The poorest of the poor would come to see Guru Hargobind and would walk out of the court wearing expensive jewelry, mounted on the finest of horses, and when they would go back home, their family wouldn't even recognize them right away. It would take them a second. Guru Hargobind made so many of these poor, unfortunate people into warriors, wearing the finest of clothes, riding the most expensive horses, and when they would leave Gurdaspur and ride out to the smaller villages around that area, the villagers, seeing those devotees of Guru Harguman would be terrified and would flee, leaving their house and possessions behind, thinking that this was some army that was coming to likely attack them. These devotees of Guru Hargumna would shout out loudly, saying, No, 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 don't be afraid, we're just beggars from the court of the most formidable warrior, Guru Harguman. Those who would come and praise Guru Hargobind were rewarded greatly with wealth, fine clothing, and horses. There were Tadis like Abdullah and Natta, the main Tadis in the Divan of Guru Hargobind. They would sing Vana, ballads, about various battles in a powerful manner, narrating how the warriors fought in war, how Guru Hargobind killed many Sayyids, Mughals, Bhutans, getting victory after killing the Turks how the battle drums of victory would sound off. They would sing about this standing in front of Guru Hargobind, who would then reward them greatly with charity. Guru Hargobind gave them an elephant, horses with expensive saddles, sets of gold bracelets which were embedded with jewels, expensive clothes of all colors, along with extravagant amounts of wealth as well. Guru Hargobind proclaimed in the entire Sikh congregation, and to Abdullah and Natta, that you should always recite these ballads in the Divan, in the court, which springs forth great happiness and vigor. The Sikh community will give you great wealth and sustenance. My Sikh panth in the future will continue to listen to your ballads as well. So in this way, Guru Hargobind was very charitable and beggars would come from far and wide. They would hear the praise of Guru Hargobind, and they would come running from great distances. These beggars would then go back home singing praise of Guru Harguman after re- receiving great blessings from Guru Harguman. So one day in the congregation, in the court of Guru Harguman, sitting there was a very virtuous Brahman, Malakjati, who was the Prat, the leading Brahmin priest in the Guru's house. He was also a great warrior and was always strapped with weapons he earned his stripes, fighting valiantly for Guru Hargobind in previous battles, killing many Turks. The previous proth of Guru Hargobind was his father, Singha, who was also a great warrior and who fought for Guru Hargobind. So after Singha purot, his son Malakjati became the Proth who was a great warrior and who would mount a very mighty horse. And then Malakjati's son, Deharam, who stayed and lived with Guru Gobind Singh, and who Guru Gom Singh himself writes about in his Dasam Guru Granth, how Deyaram killed many Pahari warriors in battlefield. So Malak Jati recognized that the end of his life was approaching, and he went to sit beside Guru Hargovan. He clasped his hands together and told him about his approaching death. He said, At this time, please bless me as my life is coming to an end. I have been your prot. But I desire one charity from you, that you give me the gift, the great gift of Brahmjana, the wisdom of the divine, which will destroy any reincarnation for me, eliminating the noose of karma around my neck. Enlighten me about my true self, my true form, which all the yogis struggle hard to obtain. By telling me, please make my mind stable and one-pointed, and not scattered and always anxious. So it may merge with that inner bliss of the Atma, the Self. Listening to this desire of Malakjati, Guru Hargovan then replied to enlighten him, and he said, O Malakjati, you are blessed, as you are desiring to leave behind this attachment to your body and focus on the true Self, the Atma. But listen, the mind since birth has been diluted by duality. Duality meaning this notion of vrag the polarity of always either loving or hating things, the duality that we have where we view ourselves as separate from the divine, that we constitute a permanent identity, body, a being which is separate from others, that we exist independently from the world. It's this delusion about ourselves which does not allow us to obtain oneness in the world with the divine. One what really is, is not one's body. This body is created and it dies. It's not permanent. It doesn't even stay the same throughout one's life. It changes as one is a child, to their youth, up until old age. It gets bigger and then smaller over time. It's this nature to constantly change. Your real form, the real you, is not your body at all. Your real form is that which is always and forever just in one state of experience. Now if we even go deeper than your body and we look at your senses, your indriya. Look carefully at what they are and what they do. These two are not your real form. Firstly, look, they are all independent and they all have different natures. So your eyes see, your ears hear, your nose smells, your tongue tastes, your skin feels. All these senses, they are performing different functions. Your real form is not like this at all. It is separate and deeper than this. So if we go even deeper, we find one's mind, which is where thoughts arise. These thoughts race about, and then they stop, and then they continue to race. Also within one's inner faculty, one also has a buddhi, an intellect, which tells the mind if these thoughts are either good or they're bad. So if we go even deeper than the mind, we have the prana, the life force, or the breath breath force which constantly is working in the body, sending out breath and in-breath. So out of these three components, the mind, the body, the prana, you have six vices which are associated with them. So the body is subject to two vices, birth and death. The prana is subject to hunger and thirst. And the mind is subject to happiness and hate. But your real form, is more subtle and is beneath all of these aspects that you associate with yourself. It is indestructible and separate from these six vices. It is forever unwavering and does not come and go, but it gives force and consciousness to your mind to function. Your true form understands the state of your mind, but it remains separate from it, yet within it all. Your buddhi, your intellect, is the one who is able to perceive your true form. One's sense organs, senses are not able to perceive your true form or experience one's true form. Your true form is always within you and is always the furthest thing from you as well. It is eternal. It is consciousness and its form is bliss and it is all pervading. So it is from that eternal blissful consciousness that all material things have consciousness and thus have life. So understand your true form to be that eternal blissful consciousness which is without any vices and is forever permanent. So one's buddhi, one's intellect has a connection with this Atma, this self, your true form. But it is not a real connection, it is more of a reflective connection. If one's intellect remains still, without the dirt and wavering qualities of the mind, then it can correctly reflect the true self and it is perceived. A classic example to illustrate this point is that of a water vessel reflecting the sun. So if the water in the vessel is dirty and the water is moving, then the water vessel won't be able to reflect the sun. But if the water is clean, pure, and the water is steady, then the image of the sun becomes apparent in the water vessel. So in the same way the mind is said to be uh, become pure and clean through good deeds, good karam, and it becomes focused and still through devotional practice, prema bhakti. When these prerequisites are obtained, then the true self, the atma, the, the appearance of the sun, can be perceived by the buddhi, the intellect, and thus one experiences great bliss. So the buddhi gets its consciousness from the true self and the buddhi, the intellect has a relationship with the rest of the mind and the mind has a relationship with the rest of the senses and the senses with whatever it comes in contact to in the world. And thus the external world is perceived and engaged with, but to experience the eternal divine, one has to stop and calm the senses of the mind to focus oneself inward with a stable, and focus attention. Only then this illusionary nature of the world will cease to exist, and one will merge with the Self, the Atma. Then peace is obtained, and then the mind does not wander." So Guru Harguman explained this, what the True Self was, in this way. And then Malakjati then focused his intention, uh, attention inward. With the Guru's grace, the blockages in his mind were removed. This. Duality of rāg-duwek, loving and hating things, was removed from his perception, this chain was removed, and his intellect, the buddhi, then perceived the true form, the atma, the self. Within his heart, he understood the wonderful nature of the world, and he experienced great bliss. Malakjati enjoyed this for some time with his eyes closed, and then eventually opened his eyes to see Guru Harguman. He bowed down, and he began to praise Guru Harguman, saying, there is no, el- no one else like you, Guru Hagarman. What praise can I ever do of you? You have considered me your own and have blessed me with the true wisdom of the self, which even yogis cannot obtain. So this is how chapter 49 concludes, and we'll pick up next time as Malak then passes away. But as always, we would like to thank those who have been supporting the podcast through the Mangalacharan Patreon page. ਗੱਟ ਝੜ ਕੇ ਗਾਊ ਬਾ ਝੜ